Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for joining and tuning into this week's episode. I'm Mitchell Hansen, your host. Um, I'm happy to be joined this week uh, by somebody who a lot of you are familiar with who cover or uh, kind of tune into the, the WNBA and women's basketball, um, WNBA insider and founder of Girl Talk Sports TV, Christina Williams. Christina, thank you for joining me. Hey Mitchell, thanks for having me. Super excited. Let's um, let's dive right into to talking a little bit about about you and and kind of your your background and and where kind of how you got to the point where you're at right now. Because like I said, a lot of people who are are familiar with with women's basketball and especially the the WNBA, they they know you. They they're they're familiar with you. And so, if, if you just talk a little bit about how you kind of got to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... I started covering women's sports in 2018. Um, I have a sport background, grew up playing basketball, um, heavily involved within my local community in terms of growing the game uh, within youth girls basketball. And so, <clears throat> and, I have, and obviously have a journalism background, um, went to college and obtained a journalism degree at Hunter College in New York. And so, yeah, um, always been involved in sport, always been involved in, you know, storytelling. And so in 2018, I decided to start Girls Talk Sports TV, one, because it was super hard um, as a Black woman for me to break into the sport industry. The opportunities were very few. And um, and so instead of basically waiting for someone to give me an opportunity uh, I decided to create something and carve out my own niche in terms of covering the game in the digital space. So I started first an Instagram page um, and just really covering all sports uh, and then connected with a few people back then um, involved. Ari Chambers obviously was one person I met. It's so funny. Her and I actually met at a Whole Foods in Harlem, New York in, in 2018, just like talked about our passions and our vision for how we wanted to cover the game. And so, yeah, we collaborated in 2018 with that and a few other um, amazing women. And then 2019 uh, kind of rebranded uh, Girls Talk Sports TV and just really became the voice and face of, of the brand in terms of um, the uh, growing the mission of, of the brand, and which was to give women a voice, visibility, and value, launched a podcast um, and other uh digital shows within the girls talk sports tv umbrella didn't really become a news breaker until about 2020 in that bubble season um which was really funny because i never set out to be a news breaker but you know life just is funny like that where you grow something organically uh building relationships and in the industry and it naturally just happens and so now Girls Talk Sports TV has become its own thing um, and it's provided me so many opportunities since its inception. I'm currently on MSG Networks uh, as a WNBA insider for their sports betting programming. So just extending uh, women's sports coverage in spaces that are unfamiliar um, as sports betting uh, industry continues to grow and get bigger, especially and women's sports, um, for me, it's all about providing equitable coverage, whether it's in the sports betting space, whether it's in the news briefing space or the day-to-day updates and daily news 
coverage of the league. And so, yeah, super grateful for the platform and for all of the support throughout the years. Um, but for me, the mission has always been to just grow the game and provide equitable media coverage. You kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit with with breaking the news and just kind of in, in or news breaking and and also just kind of covering the league in general and and women's <laughs> basketball in general girls basketball in general. What what do you enjoy most about that? I I know speaking for myself personally, like covering the WNBA is is its own unique thing. It has its own unique <laughs> community as as every sport and as every you know everything you cover has that. But the WNBA is a very inclusive kind of close-knit um, community it seems like whether it's the journalism um, portion of it or the you know the newsbreakers or the reporters or just the fan base but what what do you enjoy most about about covering this league and and as well as just women's basketball in general um the thing that I love most uh, is really the community uh, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it were not for the women's sports community as a whole I just love the way that everyone uplifts one another and supports each other, whether you're with a different publication or not, you know, it's just that we all have that common goal to grow the game. And so I just love the community aspect of it. And, you know, throughout the years, I've met so many amazing people that I now consider some of my very close friends. And so um, that's the positive sides of, um, you know, what this game has given me in terms of um, just being a small voice uh, in this league as a newsbreaker or as someone who creates content and covers the league. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate that community aspect of of it. Mm -hmm. I, I have to go back a couple of years. I know uh, what was it, in 2021, you were named to the Forbes under 30 list. Yes. Um, <laughs> and around that same time, you also started um, – with with athletes unlimited sports what do you do you kind of credit maybe you know i don't want to say this is the only reason um and, and like i said i don't mean it to come across that way but do you mm -hmm. kind of think maybe that include or that time kind of fed into the, maybe the news breaking part of 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 your coverage or it, it kind of all seemed to kind of take off a little bit from there not not saying that you weren't you know successful before then but what what do you think when it comes to kind of that time in your life um, honestly, like the news breaking stuff started for me before that. Mm -hmm. I want to say in 2020 was when I first broke one of my first stories. I don't remember what the first story was because mm -hmm. it's been so many since then, but <laughs> I know it started around 2020 around like the bubble season or yeah, around 2020, early, early 2020. Um, but yeah, that in terms of how it became a newspaper, it started in locker rooms. Like in 2018, uh, I live in New York City. And so, you know, a lot of the people who, you know, um, have seen me cover the game back in 2020 was a different ball game. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2018 is a different ball game in terms of who you would see cover the game. I remember being in Westchester covering the New York Liberty and there literally would be like five reporters on media row in, in Westchester County uh, Community Center. So, um, it just starts from there. Like when people see you in the locker room, they see you show up consistently and you build those relationships. Then naturally that's how organically I became a newsbreaker because people saw me, um, you know, just working and how hard I worked back then in terms of, um, what I was building and the vision for what I was building in terms of the platform of girls talk sports TV, I would say making the Forbes under 30 list in 2021, it just kind of, put a stamp on the on what I was building in terms of just um, saying like, hey, this is a credible person because I'm not gonna lie, as a black woman 
who who is breaking the news in the WNBA space, who is one of the only Black women to do that in this space right now. It's been hard. There's highs, there's lows. There's there's people who kind of try to discredit what you're doing, what you're building, no matter if you have the credentials or if you have the educational background. People see me as a disruptor in, in this media space because I don't cover the league in the traditional way. And yeah, I could have went the traditional route, but I feel like that wasn't the path that was laid out for me. And so I, building Girls Talk Sports TV and carving out my own niche in this industry, I think that everything was ha- is, is happening the way it was supposed to. So making getting, you know, Forbes and all of the other awards, you know, it means something to me in terms of, you know, just um, kind of letting me know, like, you know, you're in the right place, right time, doing the right thing. I don't really pay much attention to the awards, but yeah, it it definitely helped put the brand more on a national level in terms of um, just getting more access, I guess, and um, more opportunities for sure. Um, but the work was done years prior um, in terms of um, what I was building in this space um, and what I continue to build. Um, like I said earlier, I'm now in, in 2023 focusing on bringing the women's game to spaces that are unfamiliar. Uh, Athletes Unlimited actually came from me making the hashtag sports creators of color in 2021. Um, One of the judges on the panel who nominated, you know, the inaugural class, uh, they actually referred me to Athletes Unlimited. They, you know, people saying my name in rooms that I'm not in. And so that's kind of how Athletes Unlimited happened for me. Um, during its inaugural season in 2022, it was because, you know, I was on an award list as an honoree and one of the panel executives, an executive at Twitter actually um, put my name in the hat for a possible, you know, creator that they should collab with and the rest was history. And they invited me back this year to host their pregame show every week. And so I love being a part of Athletes Unlimited, especially because it's a new league and it, it's just growing. And, you know, they trust me um, as someone who can tell st- tell the stories of the athletes and also report. So it's been fun. I, I love seeing the league grow and, you know, it, it goes back to building relationships. I mean, there's a lot of WNBA players who participate in AU and, you know, they appreciate the coverage uh, in the offseason for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only person to say this, but I've, I've, I personally appreciate your coverage and I, I think it's, it's been not only great, great to see, but it's great for the league and, and continue to, to see that coverage is, is awesome. So, so thanks for all you do and thanks for all that you continue to do for the game. It's, it's great. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, let, let's transition a little bit into, into some basketball talk, if you don't mind. Um, I, I kind of wanted to just get, a little bit of your thoughts on on the off season. I've when when this podcast comes out, it'll it'll be right after the draft, so mm-hmm. it, it we'll kind of know the outcome of that at that time. But what what are your thoughts on on the off season so far, kind of leading up into the draft? Yeah, um, there's been a lot of movement throughout the WNBA in terms of the off season. We've seen. Um, what people are now calling super teams, although super teams in the W existed before this year, but it's great for the, like I said, the coverage and visibility and marketability of the league. Um, you know, I, I love what 
New York did in terms of being able to acquire Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot and John Quell Jones. And then you look at the West Coast and what the Aces were doing as well. So lots of movement um, in terms of the off season, but I think that um, it's great for the game for sure. Yeah. When kind of shifting to the draft now, what, what do you think of, of the draft class that that's, you know, coming into this year, obviously it's, it's a, a class that, it it has a, it's it's top you know names ahead of Leah Boston and it, you know they have it has a headlining name and a couple headlining names that that all draft classes do but a lot of people view this class as being a little bit weaker than say obviously next year or even the year after that in 2025 what do you what do you think of of this year's draft class and maybe the potential of, of this group yeah um like like you said there there are a couple of names in this draft class that stand out above the rest um but we've seen we're seeing the draft class of 2023 be impacted by that covid-19 waiver uh eligibility year um uh, that's good through i think 2025 for some college players and so um you know a few people that were deemed top prospects have now you know rescinded their names in terms of opting into being considered for the WNBA draft and decided to go to college. We're seeing how NIL is impacting the WNBA draft. And so as the game grows, um, you know, it, it's really interesting, but it's also, I think, a wake-up call to the WNBA in terms of, you know, um, making this league a league that players want to go to and transition to straight out of college. Um, you know, and there's many things that need to be addressed in terms of salary and expansion. Um, but yeah, this, this class, you know, you have some big names. I think that there are some sleeper picks in there. Um, but yeah, class of 2024, 2025 is definitely stacked because you have players, um, who were going to be top prospects decided to take that extra year, uh, in college. Something that, that you kind of mentioned in, in your answer there was that, that I kind of want to go back and revisit a little bit is is expansion. Uh, that, yes. That's been a topic of, of the league for, for a while, not only expanding teams, expanding rosters, expanding roster spots, because obviously there's only 144 available, which is very limited. Less um, than 144. <laughs> well, well yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, I guess, what do you think expansion could look like? Do you think do you think that maybe there there would be a couple more teams? Do you think they expand rosters? Do you think both? What what do you think should happen? And and I guess where do you think that those expansion teams could or should be? Ooh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> there was a lot in that one. A lot in <laughs> That's that one. a loaded question, Mitchell. I guess um, let's let's start with with where do you think, or I guess how many teams do you think that there could be in an expansion if there should be one in the next couple of years? Well, I, I think I tweeted this a while back, but I think that um, before expansion, maybe try to expand rosters. Mm -hmm. I, I know that uh, I spoke to a few players who are in favor of expanding their rosters and increasing the minutes. Uh, we see that this year their WBA is going to have a, a, a season hot 40 games. So they're already making the season a little bit longer. We have the prioritization rule that's coming to, into effect. So we see that the game is changing right before our eyes. And so you know, I think that, you know, you get more people an opportunity if you expand the rosters. Um, you know, NBA has 15-man 15, 15 roster. I think the WNBA could possibly do the same or should do the same. But then, um, you know, over the past year, you know, expansion has been on everyone's mind. 
and Commissioner Kathy Engelbert has kind of hinted that it's coming um, to to us media folks, so we know how how that goes. But uh, if if there were to be some expansion teams, I know that uh, there's a group in the Bay Area who has a pretty solid proposal going. Um, they have the community behind them as well. They have the financial backing. They have an arena. Um, and so I would really like to see, you know, a women's team in the Bay Area. Uh, Canada has also been on everyone's mind as well as there are a, a good amount of Canadians who already play in the WNBA. And then this season, uh, we have a preseason game over in Toronto. So mm-hmm. I think that that could be a great test, too, because that that game sold out, I think, in the first few hours that tickets went on sale. So there is a demand there. Um, for women's basketball, so Canada could could be a great place to have uh, a women's basketball team. And then a year ago, or maybe two years ago now, um, I had interviewed Natasha Cloud um, on my women's basketball weekly live audio show that I had at the time, and she had uh, she told me or revealed that there was also a group getting together in Philly, headed by uh, comedian Wanda Sykes that was trying to put together a proposal for a WNBA team. And so there are a lot of possibilities. And now the NBA also, and their new CBA, uh, it's allowing NBA players to be able to invest into WNBA teams. So I think that the, I think that there's endless possibilities of what could happen in terms of expansion right now, um, especially with the new rule where NBA players can now invest. I know LeBron James, Back uh, in 2020, 2021, he was very vocal in terms of what was happening with the Atlanta Dream and said that he wanted to invest. But obviously at that time, he couldn't because he's an active NBA player. But now that the CBA has been changed in the NBA, they can do that. So um, I'm excited for the future of women's basketball and, and expansion. Mm-hmm. I agree with the the roster, um, you know, the roster expansion that you talked about. I mean, it would it would be nice to have at least a couple more teams added to the league. I think they're in a space now where they're they're able to do that, and I think they could financially do that. Um, mm-hmm. I I do think though with with the roster expansion, whether it's that or even if they decided that before they wanted to add teams, maybe adding something like a G League in the NBA where you do. Right you you know kind of a feeder into the WNBA which would be I think really beneficial obviously it would create more roster or not roster spots but more you know spots for for those college players or even players in the WNBA that don't make those rosters um but it would just I think overall provide more opportunities which is I think what everybody wants right a secondary league is definitely needed um especially in this league when we talk about the prioritization rule coming into effect this year um, you know, WNBA players don't really have a league where they can go and develop uh, or like when you're injured and, you know, in the NBA, usually before NBA players go back to their team, sometimes teams send them down to the G League to, mm-hmm. to you know, practice a little bit before they, they get back on their NBA roster. But I definitely think it's needed and because we've seen at the in college what happened um, at the at the March Madness tournament, how uh, ratings were sky high. If you put it on TV and make it available, people will come, people will watch. And so, uh, yeah, maybe that could be something to think about making a secondary league. You know, AU is not a G League for the WNBA, although players have been signed to WNBA contracts from that league. Um, 
you know, it's it's something that complements the WNBA season. Um, but I, I I do think that a G League would be super dope to have in the WNBA. Yeah, just overall creating more opportunities, I think, is 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 definitely key in in kind of getting. I I think it'll overall help the the game grow in women's basketball. Opportunities and development, I think, right. is one yeah. of the two most important things. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of W players who don't go overseas, they they hire their own personal trainers and have to spend you know money training in the off season. And I think that you know having this secondary league will definitely you know bridge that gap. And we talk about um, also the coverage of of the league from college to the WNBA and the transition to the pros as well. And if you want to make the league the number one, well, it is in the, the WNBA is the number one league in the world. But if you want to continue to create that standard, I think that you have to invest in a, a G League of some sort would be, you know, the first step. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree. And I, I, I know we've been we've been talking about it. It seems like for the last five to ten years, but I, I do think that they're they're finally. I mean, you mentioned it. There's there's investment groups that are are sitting there waiting for the to, this to happen and are ready for it to happen. And I think that we're kind of in a space right now where it's more maybe more realistic than it was in in previous years, and and hopefully not only just roster expansions or or like we talked about the you know kind of a development league but just expansion and as a, in you know in the league in general is is hopefully going to be here soon so fingers crossed that that, that happens sometimes <laughs> fingers uh, crossed yeah. <laughs> kind of transitioning um since you know we we do talk a lot of links on this podcast i thought it maybe throwing a throwing a couple links questions um you know what what are your thoughts on on the links off season so far and in kind of Minnesota's outlook or, or expectations for, for 2023, because uh, to be honest, a lot of people are, are, are so far disappointed with what Minnesota has been able to do. Um, and then what, you know, what that'll transition into, into 2023, what overall, what are your thoughts on what they've done and, and kind of how they look so far? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, who does the show leave? I mean, she's been with this team and organization through and through. And, you know, this is a really rough spot for the Leafs in terms of trying to figure out their new identity post that dynasty era. Uh, this offseason, we saw Maya Moore officially retired. Last season, Sylvia Fowles retired. So everyone from that, you know, Lynx dynasty that we know are all gone now. And so now, you know, they have... Um, Pretty pretty uh, hard job in determining what will this team look like moving forward with obviously Nafisa Collier at the helm of the franchise and um, they have a great opportunity to start and develop a young core. So in the off season, uh, I really like that they re-signed some of their core players in terms of Maris, Rachel, Bridget. Um, I really really like that Tiffany Mitchell um, signing as well. She's on a two year protected contract. I think that. Um, with the Lynx right now, they signed a few players to training camp contracts. It's really going to be hard. I mean, they have five draft picks um, this year. So it's going to be hard in terms of figuring out the cap space <laughs> for, uh, to, to, to put together a roster that can compete at a high level and get back to, you know, that, that franchise that we know. I don't think that it's going to happen in this year, in 2023. Um, but I think that uh, Cheryl Reeve is doing the most with what she has. Um, next season, Ariel Powers and Kayla McBride become free agents. And so 
I think how they approach this draft, especially with that number two pick, is going to be crucial because you can't just think about like what this season. You got to think about like the future and building a team around some new young players and to create that new identity. So, um, yeah, the off season. I mean, it wasn't the it was in terms of the the what other teams did in comparison. I don't think what the Lynx did in free agency was good. I mean, you they lost Mariah Jefferson and uh, obviously Sylvia Fowles retired. Um, and so there is a real need going into going into the draft now to get, you know, a true center and, and a point guard uh, for this franchise. But um, yeah, the best is yet to come for, <laughs> for the Lynx. Um, and then you, and so um, I'm excited to see what happens at the draft. Mm-hmm. I know I was talking to uh, Arya Schwartz from Winsider last week and he he was saying that of all the years that you want a number you know a top three pick even or like the links they have the number two pick of all the years that you hope that you get that pick or that you want that pick this is the not not the year that you want that pick you want that this pick maybe right. next year or the year after but that's you know that's that's a position they're in and they they got to make the most of of that that opportunity I I do think that they're they're kind of in that that middle ground of last year that kind of pushed or not, maybe not last year, but maybe the last few years, I kind of tried to bridge the gap of, um, you know, or tried to try to recover a little too fast from the, the that dynasty era and then mm-hmm. try to push all their chips, you know, in right away to try and make one last push at it for, for Sylvia Falls, who you mentioned just retired last year. Um, so I think they're, they're kind of coming out of that right now. And, and they're, they're in that middle ground of, figuring out where they're at. Obviously Nafisa Collier will be at the center of all of that, but they, they have a lot to figure out this year. And I think it might, might go into next year as well, but um, yeah, it, it, I know a lot of, a lot of Lynx fans are, are waiting. They're waiting for what, what's going to happen. And, and it hasn't, it hasn't happened so far, which, you know, is okay. It's not a bad thing. You don't have to make, you know, a ton of moves. Sometimes no moves are, are it's okay to have that happen, but um, they're, they're definitely in an interesting off season and, and it'll be a, a interesting year in 2023. That's for sure. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> when it, when it does come to, 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 you know, Minnesota in general, obviously a lot of people remember this team as, as the dynasty team. Um, a lot of people who maybe tuned into, you know, women's basketball or the WNBA in the last five years, they're familiar with the links as being the top team in the league for, you know, every year, annually, one of the top teams in the league. What do you think, Minnesota needs to do to to kind of get back to that again is obviously a key objective is surrounding the piece of color with with the right pieces in in this offense but what do you think needs to be done for this team to return to to one of the top teams in the league I mean we talk about the dynasty that is some big shoes to fill <laughs> it's hard to do that you, and, you that won't be, that won't happen it's again. really it's really hard I mean that was like a once in a lifetime kind of window um, but I, I love, like I said earlier, where women's basketball is headed, all of the new, fresh, young talent that's there. And I think uh, uh, Coach Reeve kind of alluded to it in her presser, uh, her pre-draft presser and saying, um, you know, what they were looking for in terms of the future and saying, like, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, like, you can't be so hung up on, like, um, you know, trying to sign some of those more veteran players and that she would be open 
to um, getting you know younger players in, in into the franchise. But obviously, Nafisa Collier is going to be the centerpiece of of what happens next with this franchise. And um, like I said, it's, it's going to be big shoes to fill. And like right now, there's a, a need to for a center. There's a need for a point guard. Um, that's first things first. Um, clear, and then also like clearing up some of that cap space in terms of um, making uh, room available on the roster um, outside of training camp to sign some some key players and some key pieces. I know that in free agency, Courtney Vandersloot and Brianna Stewart, obviously they had conversations with the Lynx, and we know what happened in terms of that. But, um, yeah, I think that they would be able to get another franchise type of veteran player, but also just put all the chips into the future. It's not going to happen this year. Don't rush it. Don't rush the process. Just trust the process um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in Minnesota. And so you just you just got to do that in addressing this draft. So I think um, in terms of the draft now, you look at the best player available after Aaliyah Boston. And in my opinion, that is Diamond Miller. Um, you, you would want to draft a player like her at number two um, in terms of thinking about the future of where this Lynx franchise will go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I was going to ask you earlier, and I, I I forgot to do that, but we, when we were talking about, um, you know, is it WNBA coverage and just being around the league to you mm-hmm. to finish this out, what, one more question of what, what is your favorite, favorite memory that you've had in, in, it doesn't have to be the WNBA, but just women's basketball in general while, while covering it. What's Whoa. one of one of your favorite memories, if you could pick just one. Oh, I have a few memories. You can definitely oh. you can list, a, list a couple. That's for sure. Okay. So. <laughs> You know, growing up, obviously, I i mean, I grew up in New York. So first and foremost, um, the idea of women athletes and everything wasn't um, too far off. I grew up in Harlem, which is like the mecca of, of basketball here in New York. And so you, you heard about all the legends like Sue Bird and Tina Charles and like all the people from New York City, all of the the women hoopers um, from the city who did, did great things. Um, but I think the most craziest thing to me is like just growing up watching the game and watching players like Candace Parker and killing it at Tennessee um, and then like now being one of the news breakers in the league and like breaking news about players that you grew up watching it's is the craziest thing to me um, a few years uh, like two years ago when I started my podcast kicking it with Christina I remember um, doing my second episode was Cheryl Swoops and Legend. And it was my first time like meeting her virtually. And I was like, hey, like introducing myself. Like, hey, I'm Christina Williams. Da, 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 da. She's like, stop it. I know who you are. I'm following your work for the last few years. I love what you're doing. And now like me and Cheryl, we're like really good friends. <laughs> like I get a lot of great advice from Cheryl. She's like my fake auntie in my head. Um, we were together at AU and it's just so mind-boggling to know that and and I appreciate that I get to do this work. Um and, and like I said, make make friends and build a community, but with legends nonetheless. Um, so that's one of my favorite memories. Uh just being in and around the game and then just getting that respect from legends like a Cheryl Swoops um has been, yeah, it's kind of rewarding, I guess. Um but yeah, I learned and so much. They're all so personable. They're everybody that like everybody you talk to <laughs> in this game, everybody's so personable, they're so nice. Uh, you could be talking to the 
you know, the greatest of all time, whoever you view them right. to be, but they're, they're talking to you like you've been friends your whole life. And it's, right. that, that's one of the cool things about, about this league. You don't get that everywhere. And you just never know who's watching and supporting for me. Right. Like this is, I mean, there's so like, I, I literally started girls talk sports TV in 2018 with five followers. And now like <laughs> people know my name in states that I've never been to yet um, yeah. and places and cities. So it's, it's really wild <laughs> to think, but um. Yeah, like I just love the community aspect of all of this. I'm like, I I grew up playing sports, playing basketball, and you know, admiring some of the people that I get to cover and, and work with and collab with today. So those are really my favorite memories. But the fact that Cheryl Swoops, <laughs> when I first met her, she was like, I already know who you are. I was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> I watched that Martin episode with you. But whatever. So like, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. I just enjoy that part of it of uh, just getting you know that respect from like the people who grew the game or you know part of the history of the league and so right. yeah I it's like the little kid in me is like oh my god this is really my life <laughs> well that's cool that's awesome well thank you for sharing all of that that's that's great um, well, well, Christina, that I think that'll that'll do it for for this week's episode. I, I appreciate you uh, you joining and and sharing all of your your insight and in your stories. Uh, that was all all really great to great to hear, and, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, before we wrap up, if if you could share with people where where they can find you, where they can find your work, and and where they can where they can connect with you, if if they're not already. Yeah, you can follow me at girlstalksports.tv for all of the latest WNBA news and updates. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Christina, that's with a K-H, not a C-H, um, for all of the latest breaking news. I'm also uh, contributing on the betting exchange on MSG Networks. So if you're into sports betting, uh, stick around this season because I'll be on weekly uh giving some inside scoop to the betting uh, experts on the betting exchange about what's going down with the WNBA. So yeah, thank you. Well, great. That's awesome. And I, I know I'll, I'll definitely be following along. And once again, I want to thank you for, for all of your work for the WNBA for women's basketball um, and, and for also joining on, on this week's podcast. It's, it's been a blast having you on and we'll definitely have to do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WMEA news, analysis, and coverage. I also want to give a shout out to Jeremy Rushing for producing this podcast every week and making sure I don't sound like a crazy person. Um, another shout out goes to Tressa, who is our latest patron member um, on our Patreon community, Hitting the Hardwood. If you want to continue to support this podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Um, and then you can also follow Hitting the Hardwood on social media at Hitting Hardwood, or you can follow uh, myself, Mitchell Hansen, on Twitter. That's at M underscore Hansen 13, and that's H A N S E N 13. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Three, two, one.